Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. Well, y'all having a y'all had a good week? Yeah? Y'all look good. You look amazing. You look like you're it doesn't look like holiday pressure has gotten to you guys. It looks like y'all are like, we're good, you know? And so um Y'all ready for the word? Awesome, awesome. Hey, before I, um, I jump into the word, um, we, had this, we had an awesome night, Friday night. I don't know how many of you got to come, but we had a family Christmas party, and we just hung out, ate some donuts. Ate a, you should have seen the display of food. If you, if you weren't here, it was awesome. Everybody brought... Chicken tenders, I feel like. Um, there was like five different choices of chicken tenders. There was Popeyes. There was, I don't know what the other ones were, but my kids were happy. My youngest lives on chicken and um, chicken, chicken tenders and cookies. That's his diet. And um, so, you know, it's like we were, pretty, we were pretty strict our first two. You know how it is with kids. It's like the first couple, you know, you're like, and then the further it gets along, you're just kind of like, you know what, just do whatever you want. And um, so it's true. You know if you're a parent, unless you're just like super parent and you, you know, we're consistent. Um, anyways, we're teaching. Like my older kids, they'll just grab like a cucumber and they'll just eat it. Um, far be it from my youngest, you know, he... Nothing to do with that. And so he, he doesn't know what a vegetable is. And so um, it's okay. Everybody take a deep breath. I, I feel like we needed that. I needed that. <clears throat> I'm still working on my first coffee from today, so I'm still waking up. Um, I was, how many of you were here last week for the word? Um, we... I shared about the seen versus the unseen. You know, we walk by faith and not by sight, right? And um, I have somewhere I want to go today, a prepared word that's really is something that we're actually coming back around to. I've shared it before, but I feel like it's appropriate for right now. And, um, but before I get into that, I want to, I woke up this morning and I felt like the Lord reminded me of the seen versus the unseen. You know, the seen uh, faith is the assurance of things unseen. And if we are a people of faith, it means that we are dependent and believing in a God that is unseen. Even though we see his works, we see the creation of his hands, is, he is a God that is unseen, but we believe him. And because we believe him, we know him. And we get to encounter him. It's, it's this, is that thankfulness is giving him credit for every good thing in your life. Whenever the Bible said that we come into his gates with thanksgiving, it was saying that whenever what, the, what thankfulness does is it begins to cause you to be aware of everything that his hand has touched. And so you become, you begin, whenever you began to acknowledge him, you begin to see the unseen. And so, but the Lord brought me I felt like this, this morning, whenever he reminded me, he said, John, you can replace seen and unseen with, you can read in Romans 8 where it talks about the flesh 
and the Spirit. It talks about, um, it's the same thing, right? The flesh is what's seen, the Spirit is the unseen. Even though we see the manifestation of the unseen, is you actually have to be spiritually minded to, to see it, right? And so I wanted to, to, to kind of set us up for a moment before I get into the real thing that I was going to talk about. But this is just, I believe, prefacing it. And y'all good? I believe that the Word of God is alive and active. And I, I want to say this is I don't ever want to bring you something that isn't revelation. Meaning this, I don't ever want to bring you something that the Lord hasn't taught me. I don't want to ever bring you something that was just a good idea. Is that I, I believe that um, one of the responsibilities that the Lord has given me as far as leadership is to um, lead by example and invitation. Meaning this is that, and I believe all of us get to live that life, but I wouldn't want to lead any other way. Is that the Lord does it first, and then I simply get to invite you into it. And the Lord does the same thing with us, is he gives you an example in Jesus, and then he invites you into who Jesus is. Amen? And so I'm saying that to say that I believe that as we receive the word of the Lord, it has power to transform. It has power to cut away everything in your life that doesn't belong, right? You, already, you have already been perfected in Christ. You're probably just carrying some things that you were never supposed to carry. It's like, you might be the person, look, it might be in your potential to run a 5K and do it awesome. Maybe record time. But some of you might be like, you know, I'm carrying some stuff that keeps me from doing that. So the potential's there. We might just need to cut some stuff off. Y'all with me? <laughs> That's what the word of God does, is it cuts away. It cuts away. It's sharper than any two-edged two, two sword, right? It says that in Hebrews chapter 4. His word is alive and active. So today, don't put your hope in a good sermon. Put your hope in God speaking to you in this moment in his presence. Because I believe he will quicken your spirit. And maybe despite whether I say all the right things or not, he will impart to you what needs to be imparted. And his word will cut away what needs to be cut away. Amen. That's why we're here. We're here to be transformed into his image. We're not here to just do church. Amen. That's why I, I know that's why I'm here. And so I get excited because I found this over the last, look, in January, I believe January 9th, maybe I could be wrong. We're going to be celebrating, what is it, like two years. It feels like it's been so much longer than that, but we're celebrating two years as a church. <clears throat> and let me say this, is this has not become familiar to me. This has not become common to me. This for me is I expect something new and fresh every time we gather. Every time, whether it's a few people, whether it's a couple hundred people, whatever it is, I expect that the Lord does something new because it's who he is. And what we value is that we would see him for who he is. You know, I, I, we could... We could have amazing, like just great services and productions and even give you some good life skills and some self-help stuff. But, and we would probably, we, we might, it, it might be okay. It might be, some of it would be good. But there is nothing like whenever he is the leader and it's his thing and it's his deposit and it's his words. Is, and that's what we want. It's what we live for. And I don't know about you, but I want that. 
I want that. I want, I want life and life to the fullest. You know, Jesus said, I've come that you'd have life and life to the fullest. Some of us are just hoping for life, and he's wanting you to hope for life to the fullest. Amen? Amen. So today, yeah, give the Lord a hand. Awesome. If, um, if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to re- start reading some of this, and you can follow along. But this is what I-, I believe the Lord wants to do, is he wants to teach us every day to wake up and to say, Today I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ in me. And that is how, whenever we do that, not just some words, but whenever we come before him and say, I want to know what the cross meant for me. And I want that to be my reality. When we do that, is it positions us to live a life where we are pursuing the unseen above the seen. We are pursuing the spirit above the flesh. This is, this is going to give us some context really quick for flesh versus the spirit. So now the case is closed. Say, the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Is anybody glad they've been liberated? Okay, you have been liberated. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. He's saying this, is that the law, the Ten Commandments, it's holy and it's good and it's God, but the law in of itself um, was impossible for you and me because it had to do with what we could do in our own strength. So Jesus came and he fulfilled the law so that he can impart life and empower you to live what the law required, but in his strength. Okay, you with me? And it goes on to say, yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Talking about Jesus. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the the guilt and power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. So it is... It is fulfilled by not you living your life, but him living his life through you. That requires surrender. That requires you saying, okay, I need to settle once and for all. It's not about how bad I've been, and it's not about how good I've been. It's about Jesus. And it's about him becoming Lord of my life in every moment. About him leading me. I didn't know what was right, what was wrong. I didn't know how to walk in peace or joy. But as I surrendered to him, he came and taught me how to live that life. It's what he does. You couldn't overcome sin in your own strength. Jesus did it. Right? And he did away with the guilt and the shame. Let me just keep going. This says it so much better than I could. Um... It goes on to say, so now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the, anointing, uh, through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live. So you are free to live. How are you free to live? Not according to our flesh. So not according to the seen. But by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So you get to live not by what is seen in front of you 
but by what the Holy Spirit is producing in you. Okay? Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. So here is a good indicator if you've been living consumed with the scene. Is, is it all about you? Is it all about what you can do? Is it all about what is good for you? It just you? I'm not saying, like, I am all about you taking good care of yourself. Okay? All about that. But Jesus cares much more about you than you care about yourself. He actually knows how to care for you much better than you know how to care for yourself. Is there's, I believe that we live in the world of, right now, our world is marked by self. It's marked by self. The... It is, it is, the, the world will preach to you, it is all about you, right? It's all about you. And it's about how you can get ahead. It's about how, um, what do you need? What it, and, and I believe what happens is we turn our eyes on Jesus and it becomes all about him, is we, in turn, get everything we need, everything we want and desire, and what happens is our eyes begin to turn to others. We begin to see people in a healthy way. And this is, that's what we're going to talk about in just a minute, is our relationship with others. But it is what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. It is how he causes us to see God, us, and others. We need his opinion, right? We need the way he sees things. And so, <clears throat> this goes on to, so it's saying that those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. Okay, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities or the unseen. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is always showing you the unseen, the faith life. He's teaching you. I, I want to say this. I'm talking, I, I, I want to give us some really practical things here as far as like the seen and the unseen. But um, I've, I've learned this is whenever I can wake up and I become aware of the Lord in my life, who he is, Holy Spirit, you're with me. You're speaking to me. You're leading me. When I don't do that, it's I'm fending for myself. I believe he's helping me, but the Lord doesn't force himself upon you. He always invites you into his world, but he doesn't force his world upon you. But as you learn to become a receptor of his kingdom and his ways, it leads to life, peace, righteousness, joy in the Holy Spirit, right? And so a lot, if, if you find yourself in this place of like, man, I'm depressed, this is frustrating, you may need to just stop and say, okay, what kingdom am I aware of right now? And just ask the Lord, learn to ask him, say, teach me how to walk today. Teach me how to walk and see what I can't see. Let me see what you see. And, and it is learned. It, you learn to walk with him. If you're like, hey, I'm not there yet or I messed up, look, there's no condemnation. Just come back to him. Romans 8 ends with saying, nothing separates us. Nothing from the love of God. Many times what we do is we are trying to beat ourselves into holiness. We're trying to beat ourselves into purity, into doing the right things. And it won't work. You can never beat yourself up into the right thing. It doesn't work. You don't ever beat yourself into purity. It doesn't happen. All right? Um, 
So the Lord wants to teach us to walk according to the Spirit and even the way that we treat people. I believe that when our lives, whenever we're living a life led by Holy Spirit, where we're saying every day I'm aware of you, I believe we don't have to try. It's not like forcing myself to be nice to everybody because it's a good Christian thing to do. But I believe that the Lord actually gives you a a mindset and, and a heart. He gives you his heart to be able to love people right where they're at. And I believe our world needs a lot of that right now. And so with that being said, is I, this morning I want to I, I talk about living free from a critical spirit, which we've talked about before. But I want us to know we get there by aligning our lives with the Holy Spirit and walking in what he sees and how he sees it. It doesn't come by us just saying, you know what, I got to just quit being critical. I got to just quit. I got to do better, be better. No, it will only happen. It, it will only be produced in your life by walking with the Spirit of God. That's why there are the, that there's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. And then all the rest of them follow. Right? And so he wants to produce this in our lives. So he is, he is leading us <clears throat> out of a critical spirit. So y'all ready this morning? All right, let me find my notes. They disappeared on me. Gotta love technology. I need these. So I didn't need notes, but... Um, oh, I know where they're at. How many of y'all are ready for Christmas? Yeah? Some people are like, ah, maybe. Um, man... Turn to your neighbor while I'm looking and tell them uh, something good about them. Here it is. I got it. Give me a hand. I got it. Found it. All right. Some of you are like, I don't know anything good about my neighbor, so I saved you on that one. All right. So the goal today is I want to talk what is a critical spirit, why we don't want to be critical, and who are we and how do we engage others. So when we engage in a critical spirit, we begin to lose our saltiness. Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth. He said if the salt loses its flavor, what good is it? Is that when we become critical, whatever it is, people, things, is we begin to lose our saltiness. You begin to lose your authority to begin to love that thing really well because you become critical. Right? And um, so... a. Critical spirit will block the flow of God's love to others through our lives. That's what a critical spirit will do. It puts a block up from letting the love of God flow through our lives to others. The moment that you criticize something, you no longer have authority to love it really well. Right? So, number one, if you're taking notes, criticism is judgment. To judge is to form an opinion of someone or something. Matthew 7, verse 1 through 3 says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you, use, you, the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Can we, can we just get this out the way? We all have a plank. Okay? We all got a plank that we need to get out. All right? Um, <clears throat> John 8.15, I'm going to kind of breeze through some of this and we'll stop on some. Uh, John 8.15 says, you judge by human standards. Jesus said, I pass judgment on no one. How many of you know he, he is the judge? Yes. 
He is the judge. And he, 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 there, there is a day of judgment coming where we will stand before Jesus, but that day of judgment is not today. It is a day coming, okay? There, there will be a day that we all stand before him, and he will be operating as judged, and we'll be judged according to what we've done in our words, right? And, uh, but... If Jesus said, today's not the day I'm judging, then why would we be doing that? If he's not doing that today, then why are we doing that today? Okay? Um, so number one is criticism is judgment. Number two, criticism dishonors the Lord. Um, James chapter 3, verse 9 through 10 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth came, come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. How many of you know your words matter? What you say matters. Can I also say this? It's just because something pops up in your head, like you're walking and you have maybe a negative thought about somebody. It, it doesn't mean, necessarily mean that, um, one, it doesn't mean you have to say it. And number two, it doesn't mean that was necessarily your thought. You are not the temptations that you resist. You are not the temptations you resist. You are the noble things you choose. All right? It's one of the things I try and teach my kids. Hey, just because it comes to your mind and you feel that, you ain't got to say it. <laughs> Don't say it. You know, James talks about, he says, man, if someone can control the tongue, right? He basically says he can be perfect. He says, but, and then he likens the tongue to a, a, a big boat's rudder. He says, a little thing can turn a big ship. He says that, that little tongue, it can, it can make big moves, right? All right. Matthew 12, verse 33 through 37. I've given you lots of scripture. Make a, good, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And he's talking to the religious leaders. He says, you brood of vipers, <clears throat> how can you who are so evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. And so he's saying again, there is a day of judgment coming. For every empty word you have spoken. That word, when he says every empty word, it, it means this. It is a what you have spoken that you have not labored over. You haven't labored over what you've spoken in your heart. What if, before you let things come out of your mouth, you actually had to labor over them in your heart, where you said, wait, my words carry power. What I say is going to change and shift things. Have I labored over this? Because you will be a uh, you will be judged for every what? Every, every careless word, every word that you didn't labor over. Every word that was just, I'm just spitting it out. That's why 
we are to guard our hearts because out of it flow the issues of life. Everything flows from your heart. That's why in the beginning I wanted to preface this with our life in the Holy Spirit. Is because if, if we are walking in the Spirit, what He is doing is He is actually teaching us how to speak. He's teaching us how to talk. He's teaching us what we're confessing. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about that the Spirit of God. It, that whole scripture is talking about having the mind of Christ. To see things the way Christ sees them. And it says as that happens in us is he teaches us how to talk. He teaches us. He gives us the words of, to, to, to say that declare what he's seeing and saying. Amen. And so for us a lot of times it could be that we're just saying stuff over our spouse, our kids, our family, the crazy uncle, just saying stuff. And I believe the, you know, and look, maybe, I think, look, I understand um, there's plenty of people not happy with many different um, facets of government in our nation. And it's easy to begin to cut into, it's this, it's this. I would say this, I would make sure that you have labored over every word in your heart. Make sure you labor over every word. It matters to the Lord. It matters to the Lord. Why? Romans 8 says that all of creation is waiting and groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Meaning this is that, did you know all of creation is waiting for you to be who you really are in the Lord so that you can speak the right word over creation? And whenever we aren't stepping into that calling and that identity and we just let our words flow carelessly is we are actually living outside of the God-given calling and the God-given identity for our lives. But what if we begin to labor over every word, we begin to labor over every thought and opinion, and we only released God's opinion in the earth? What happens? Did you know God is just looking? He's looking for people who are willing to say what he's saying. That's how he releases something in the earth. He's looking for people to partner with. He's looking, he's waiting for sons and daughters to say what he's saying about government. He's waiting for sons and daughters to say what he's saying about the school system, the education system. He's waiting for those to see his solutions in the earth and declare those. When it comes to people in our lives, you know, we've said, we've said this, and if you've been here for a while, you've probably heard this, but when it comes to people, it's easy it's easy to find the dirt on somebody, right? You get around somebody long enough and you're like, ooh, they've got issues just like everybody else, right? It's easy to find that. But to find the gold in somebody, right, it takes some digging. It takes some labor. Unless you just get lucky, you know. Um, but but ser in all seriousness, to find out who people really are in the Lord and God's opinion, he wants you to dig for that. You want to be somebody who actually gives people courage and who is somebody who is influencing the world around you? Find out what God is saying about people and actually tell them. That's why we, I, I love prophetic ministry because prophecy is simply any time that we make God's heart known to people. And that's why we encourage like, hey, hear from the Lord and share with people. In this room, we found that in, in an atmosphere where the presence of God is, is we, as we turn our hearts to him, what he is doing is he is turning our hearts to one another so that we can encourage the body. 
That is biblical. That's why there are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's for the, empower, the, the encouraging, the, the building up of the body. And so what happens is we are with the Lord and we have a right heart towards him. He gives us a right heart towards others and he teaches us the words to say. Amen. Y'all with me? Hey, um, look, holidays, there's going to be all kinds of gatherings over the next couple of weeks. You're going to have lots of opportunity to go one way or the other. You know what I'm saying? Um, some of you are like dreading that that one family member having to hang out with them, I'd say, I, I encourage you, go to the Lord and say, Lord, what's your opinion? What's your opinion, Lord? What do you say about them? And, you know, and blow them away. Say, you know what? I was, I was asking the Lord about you, and this is what they said. This is what he says about you. And they're going to be like, what? We fought every Christmas since we were kids. And, and anyways, but I'm saying, it's like, you know, you know, you know the people in your life that you're like, yeah, I need to lose that opinion. I need to get the Lord's opinion, right? All right. So, I don't want to know. So, criticism dishonors the Lord. So, does it mean that people, we just let people get away with things? Nobody's getting away with anything. Again, there is a day of judgment. Now, I think that correction happens in the context of mothers and fathers and sons and daughters, and we've talked about that. That's how correction happens. I think I've seen too much in the church where everybody feels like they have a right to correct everybody else. And it, just, and it leads to just strife and discord. And you're like, well, I was right. It's like, yeah, you were right, but you were completely wrong. Because you can be completely right, and if you don't have God's heart and his opinion, you are not right. Right? I believe we need to hear this because I believe that the Lord wants unity in the spirit. about somebody offends you what if his opinion is really good and you don't feel like they deserve it right that comes that's why I think me and Austin were talking last night she's talking about the person who's forgiven much loves much when you just realize I've been forgiven a lot a lot of times we're so focused on everybody else that's you know, as far in a negative way. The truth is you're focused on yourself. You're using a self lens to look at others. 
Does that make sense? Is that you are, you're, you're only thinking about yourself when you're thinking about others. Comparison, well, I've been better. You know, it's the whole, well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to go there. Talking about, talking about the prodigal son in a minute. All right, I'm going to start moving quick. So, you know, in, um, you know, we talked about idle words, careless words. The Lord wants us to labor over those. Um, you know, in, in our day, there is, you know, in different times, it's been, um, it's been heightened more than others. But there, it seems like there is a pressure to, have a, to say something. There's a pressure. You need to have an opinion. There's a pressure to, well, what do you think about this? What do you mean you don't know? You need to know well, whose side are you on, right? And I, I just don't believe that I have to have an opinion if I haven't had the Lord's opinion. I do not have, I do not, it's this, is I can actually be free from the fear of man that would tell me what I have to and not have to believe or say or do. I am, it is honoring him. The best way that I can honor you is by honoring him. Right? And so there is, as I think as the body of Christ, as God's solution in the earth, we have to have his opinion. And we don't need to feel the pressure of having any opinion that he has not given us. Well, you need to choose a side. You need to tell me, are you this or are you that? And you're like, hey, I'm whatever the Lord tells me I am. Right? He, 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 I, I'm, I think we need to only identify as what he tells us we are. Our identity is in him. We, whenever we start forming our own opinions and identity, it it only has the power to create discord and division with people. With the Lord, it's there. It's He, he alone is going to give you a right identity. He alone is going to give you a true identity. And you trying to make something of yourself or to take sides—that's human nature. It's humanistic thinking. This is so Paul. Paul addressed in Corinthians because they had these great leaders. Paul was a great leader. There was Peter. There was these different, just apostolic, charismatic guys. And the church of Corinth, they were, they were getting into it because they would say, well, I'm of Paul. And would say, well, I'm of Peter. And someone would say, well, I'm of this. And, and Paul said, why, why would you reduce yourselves? Why, why would you want to be anybody else's but Christ's? And so you... As the church, you belong to Christ. That is your highest calling, highest identity, the, the greatest identity you have. And out of that place, be who he's made you to be. Amen? All right. So the pre- pressure to say something, be something, do something, I believe it's like, man, let's just, what, what is the Lord saying? Listen, you can hear the voice of God for yourself. You can. It might be something where you need to learn to get away with the Lord and learn his voice. But you can hear his voice, and he wants to lead you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to give you his thoughts and opinion. Amen? All right, number three. Criticism, it's a funny word, but criticism neuters your calling. It cuts off your calling. Okay? Um, When we get involved in discussions that are humanistic, Check, check. There we are. I'm back. 
Um, so criticism neuters your calling. I remember this. I worked at AT&T for six years. Um, there was a time when I was um, applied for a management position and as an assistant manager. And uh, I took my, my manager, my boss at the time, uh, said, hey, come take a ride with me. And, it, and the job was between me and another guy. And uh, we're taking a ride, and I proceeded to begin to tell my boss all the reasons why this other guy shouldn't get the job. And I began to, I was cutting him down. I thought I was, I, I was immature, okay? I didn't know. Um, but I be, what I was doing in that moment as the believer, as the Christian, is I was neutering my call because I was called to love, and in the name of promoting myself, I began to cut down somebody else. And in that moment, I had no authority to actually love and deposit something good because I had stepped into criticism. So I couldn't actually walk in who the Lord made me to be because I became critical, which was so much more important than a job position. And guess what? I didn't get that job position. I didn't need to get that job position. I wasn't ready for it. And so whenever we become critical in different arenas in our life, become critical of people, whatever it is, things, is we, we begin to open our mouth. It can, in situations, cut off your calling. You lose the authority to actually exercise who you really are in the Lord in that moment. All right. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. God is calling us higher. He's calling us higher, right? All right. Number four and the last one is, I'm sorry, we got two more. I'm going to move quick now. Number four, it steals the deposit of the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy 6 says, O Timothy, guard and keep safe the deposit of godly truth entrusted you. Turn away from worldly and godless chatter with its profane, empty words and the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and by doing so have erred, missed the mark, and strayed from the faith. Grace be with you. So he's saying this, keep safe the deposit of truth entrusted you. Don't give in to worthless words. So, number four, it steals the deposit of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit deposit in you? Release that. Okay? Number five, criticism breeds discord. 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 17, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Anybody ever seen gangrene before? Go... Google it, not pretty. It is death. It is death to a part of your body, and it spreads. That is what he's saying is worthless words, words that have not been labored over. When we just say whatever about somebody, he says it is like gangrene. It causes death, and it spreads. You ever been a part of something where somebody spread a lie, and what happens? It just grows and grows and festers and festers until somebody brings truth, right? 
And so we have to be determined in our hearts, led by the Spirit of God, that we're not going to be a people that are tearing down other people. That we're not going to be a people who have an opinion that's not the Lord's opinion, right? Um, we're not meant to cut off life. We're meant to release life. All right? So what are you called to? You are called to reconciliation. Reconcile means to bring back, to make right. Okay? This is what we're called to as a church. We reconcile. We don't, we don't cause death. We don't cause discord. We reconcile. For Colossians 1, 19 through 20, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. If Jesus is reconciling, that's what we should be doing too. How can I bring reconciliation to my family? How can I bring reconciliation to this person who hurt me? How can I do this? This person said this. I'm not going to tear them down in return. I'm going to bring about reconciliation. That's what we do. That's what the Spirit leads us into. What else are we? We're peacemakers. So we're reconcilers and we're peacemakers. All right? The, um, in Matthew 5, we say, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I want to end with this. There is the, the story of the prodigal son, right? It was really the story of two sons. There's the prodigal, who he goes to his dad, and he says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. He was pretty much saying, Dad, I don't care uh, whether you, you mean nothing to me because I want what I'm supposed to have when you die. So you're pretty much dead to me. I want what's mine. That's what he was saying. He was consumed with the self-life. He goes... He wastes it all. He, the Bible says that he comes to himself, right? He, and he's saying, what am I doing? What am I doing? And he, he says, even the servants eat better at my house. So I'm going to go and I'm going to tell my father that I'd like to be a servant in his house. Comes back, what's the father's response? He embraces him, puts a robe on, his, on, on him. He puts a ring on his finger. He throws him a feast. But then we see that there was this other brother who became critical, right? He had, he had this mindset of, well, look what he, he wasted all that. He did, and, and they're throwing him a party. I, I've been here working. I've been faithful. I've been doing all the right things. Nobody's ever thrown me a party. Nobody's ever done. And he began to become critical. And in that moment, he couldn't see what the father, he, what, he, he only saw what he saw and his right, it was his opinion, and he couldn't see what the father saw. The father knew what the prodigal needed to begin to restore him to who he really was. God is always more concerned in people becoming who they are in him than he is whether or not they got what they deserved. Jesus took what we deserved so that we could have life. Jesus has treated us all like the prodigal. He said, we have all been the prodigal. We have all have gotten what we don't deserve. In no place, though, a lot of times, though, we are operating as the other brothers, saying, well, look, I, I know this person. They're coming to church here, but I know what they do whenever they're not at church. You know, they, they come and they lift their hands, but I know where they're at and what they're doing. And look, Pray for them. Get God, what does God say? What they may actually need is for somebody to, to actually tell them God's opinion about them. If, but if we are criticizing, 
and we are pointing fingers, we will never know God's opinion. Now, if God tells you, says, hey, you need to go as, as a brother, as a sister, go and say, hey, this isn't God's best for you, but he'll give you his heart. I'm not saying it doesn't, always, it doesn't sometimes look like correction, but your first goal should be, Lord, I have to have your heart. The, the goal has to be, am I making peace and, I'm, am, and am I reconciling? Because that's what Jesus is doing. That's what he's up to. You will not beat someone into purity or yourself. Amen? And so you, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Why don't you say that with me? Say, I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Amen? Awesome. Stand with me this morning. What does it look like for a people who are free from a critical spirit where there's joy? Where there's joy. How many of you want joy? I believe that you are meant to be the most happy, joyful people on earth. Where you're not consumed with what everybody else isn't doing or what they are doing, but you are free and you are free to reconcile and make peace. And so I want to go back to this as we end. Romans 8, chapter 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on, let's just close your eyes and come before the Lord. For some of you, you need to hear that there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. He has, there's, this morning, there's only invitation. He invites you into a life where you're not weighed down. You're not weighed down by criticism. You're not weighed down by a critical spirit. The Lord today, he says, you're free and you're forgiven and you're invited to the table. And so you don't have to criticize anybody else. Just invite them to the table as well. Reconciling them to Jesus. Before you can ever reconcile, you need to know that he's reconciled you. I just feel this this morning is that if you're far from the Lord, if you've been living in heaviness and, and your life, you have, you, like we were talking about living the self-life, if you say, listen, I've just lived for me. I've done what I wanted to do. I don't know what relationship looks like with the Lord. I want to, I want to, invite you to the table of the Lord this morning. I want to tell you that there is freedom and that there's joy, that everything that needed to be done for your life has been done. That he is your salvation. He is your redeemer. So if you're saying, I'm, I, I have not made him Lord, I want you to simply do this. I want you to just begin to tell him, Jesus, be my Lord. I believe in you. I receive what you did for me on the cross. But there is no condemnation. Maybe you say, I've been walking with the Lord, but I've been walking heavy. Today, the Lord says there's no condemnation. The Lord says, cast every care on him because he cares for you. Throw off every heavy thing so that you can run the race that he called you to run. So this morning, Lord, I just declare liberty and freedom over your people. I just thank you for those who have been far off, that they've been brought near. Today, Lord, I just thank you for the spirit of reconciliation that is drawing hearts near to you. I thank you, Lord, that even right now that you are healing hearts, that you are healing minds, that you are healing bodies. It's who you are, King Jesus. It's what you do. And so today, I just thank you for the life that's in your presence. I thank you for that there is power in your presence 
to see everything change. Everything that doesn't look like heaven, Lord, I thank you that for heaven on earth right here this morning, for those who are struggling in their marriage, I ask, Lord, that there would be a deposit of grace and unity in the name of Jesus in the marriage. I thank you, Lord, for those who have addictions. I thank you, Lord, that you are liberating their hearts right now. If that's you, you just need to receive from the Lord. He's good and he's kind. And he is everything that needs to be done is done. You just have to receive it. You just say yes to him. Surrender to him. He, he is the Lord. He is the lion and the lamb. He is your salvation. He is your closest friend, but he is Lord. He is the king of kings. He is a Lord worth surrendering to. So today, Lord, we say come and lead us. Come and lead us. Come and lead us. I want to invite our prayer team to come up to the front. And if you today, if you say, listen, I, um, I need to, I, I, or I want to give my life to the Lord. As we close today, I want you to come and I want you to pray with one of our team up here. And they just want to bless you. They want, they want to share the Lord's opinion with you. And so, or if there's anything else that we can pray with you, there's something about being encouraged by the body and these amazing men and women up here, they want to share God's heart with you. And uh, so as we close today, remember there's communion in the back. Um, I wanna, Abby, could you just sing one song for us as we close? And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to bless you. If you need to go, go. If we can pray for you, we'd love to do that. So Lord, we bless your people. I just thank you, Lord, that there is life and life to the fullest. I thank you that you have set us free from the need to be critical from the feeling of, of heaviness that comes with that. I thank you, Lord, that there is no condemnation, that we have been forgiven much and that we get to love much. And I thank you that you are raising us up as a people who reconcile others to you and who bring peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.